welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. Yo, move! <laughs> and today, we are going to be talking about and appreciating the game of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, this week, we have some really unfortunate and sad news. The creator of the game, uh, Kazuki Takahashi, passed away in Japan uh, while he was snorkeling. And I saw a lot of solidarity from the community, especially on Facebook, where almost everyone that I know has changed their profile picture to be a Yu-Gi-Oh card, whether it be their favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card or the most impactful to them, or just something that gives them a fond memory. I changed mine to um, Dark Magician of Chaos. Uh, obviously, it's in the Dark Magician family, and one of my aliases was the Dark Magician when I used to play. So the Dark Magician of Chaos is one of my favorite cards, one of the most broken cards in Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's one of the cards that still had uh, Takahashi's name printed on the bottom of it. I actually have a first edition copy of it in my in my apartment. So I it goes without saying that Yu-Gi-Oh! is such a big part of my life. When I actually thought about it, and it, it really hadn't occurred to me until this week when he passed away, that Yu-Gi-Oh! is probably the biggest thing I've done with my entire life. Like out of everything that I've done, right? Like, I don't have any children. I'm not married or anything. But all of my friends, literally all of my closest friends, like every single one of you, including Kenny, came from Yu-Gi-Oh! Like all of them. My childhood friends, my best friend, everyone. Every single one of my closest friends comes from Yu-Gi-Oh! And the way we met, me and Kenny, was actually at a card store, you know, where I was playing yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Right? I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking, because around that time, I remember, because I was, I was already friends with Brandon for like a while. And um, me and him played like competitive Pokemon together. And then one day, like, I don't know, a bunch of shit happened, like in my quote unquote real life. Um, and then I went, I just like went out to get away from it. And I was hanging out with Brandon and he was like, oh, come down to like, come down to this card shop with me. And so then I went to Red Caps and I don't know. I don't know if I if you were there the very first time I went. I feel like you were, though. I don't remember if it was the very or or if it was like the second time I went. Well, I'll say this just to insert with me. So I used to this is when I was in college and I went to locals every single day because my dorm like just living on I lived on campus and my dorm was so boring. I didn't really have friends in college like that. Like I had friends, but they were the kind of friends that don't play Yu-Gi-Oh! They weren't nerds. Right. So there's only they're so just school friends. They're just school friends. And we don't like yeah. even now, 10 years after me graduating college, I don't talk to those people really at all for the most part uh, because we didn't really have anything in common. I think the only thing we had in common was that we went to the same school, like you said, school friends. So yeah. I went to locals every single day almost after my classes were done. And if you went to Red Cab, yeah, I definitely probably was there the first day you went. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 So it was probably like literally the very first day, which means. The very first day I went to Red Caps, I got Chidori in the chest, which yes, is just the funniest was... <laughs> thing to me ever. Because, like, I just, uh, we've already told the story, but I'll just never, because it, in hindsight, it's just so funny because, like, we're such good friends now. Yeah. But in hindsight, it's the most random, cringy thing ever. Oh, like, it's so From cringe. across the fucking room. I don't know. You just like started charging up a Chidori. First of all, I did the hand signs first, right? <laughs> like I did the full, I was not was, I am a super nerd. I think a lot of people don't know that about me because, uh, I, I, before this podcast, I think I was pretty mysterious as a person in general. And this podcast is kind of me, you know, talking about a lot of my life experiences and just how I am, but people don't know. And then, and again, this is a Yu-Gi-Oh appreciation episode. So I'm going to talk about a lot of how nerdy and, how that wasn't exactly the most popular thing to be when I was younger. But yeah, I did hand signs. I want, I always wanted to have one of the Naruto headbands, but I just never actually got one. Uh, but yeah, I would, yeah. I would have wore it. Like I, I was that kid. I was the kid who did not care 
about what people thought of me because I just have really thick skin, I guess, from my parents. And there's nothing. I'm that- not going to lie, man. If it hasn't, I'm sure it exists, but it probably doesn't exist in good quality. They need to make good quality Naruto like do rags. Like I don't. Oh, that would be fire. I'll wear that too. Like, you know, I'll wear that. I wear that. I now. know. I know. I. But that's what I'm saying. Like if they made, because like headbands are one thing. They could be kind of awkward, right? But do rags actually have like some kind of utility? Yeah, I would legitimately wear a Naruto. <laughs> this is so we're off on a tangent. We're off on a fucking tangent. But yes, the way we met, I cheated you in the chest. Uh, but I, but I think it was later in the day. I remember. Us being there for a while during the day, and then at the end of the night when Red Cap was like, "We're closing up, you know, make make your make these your last games. Don't yeah, start yeah, any new yeah, games. Yeah. You know how they always make that type of announcement. Don't start any new games." And then I was just going around being fucking weird. I'm just naturally even even amongst the weirdos, I am the weird king. Like I am one of the weirdest out of everyone. Like people don't just go around attacking their friends or people who they don't really know, like you. So yeah, it was great. I uh, it was pretty great. So but then yeah, we met because like- of Yu-Gi-Oh. So that was Yu-Gi-Oh! Red Caps, our local, or uh, one of our locals. Yeah, one of them. Um, and yeah, that was like, it's pretty interesting. How then, did you meet Brandon, though? The guy who brought you to our local? I just met, I met Brandon just through our mutual friend, Anthony. Okay. Uh, who obviously this podcast knows by now. Anthony Simpson, who's been on here a million times. Yeah, he's been on a couple um, times. Me and Ant went to high school together. We were really good friends. And then at one point in time, uh, I just was hanging out with Ant, and then he took me to go hang out with a, another group of his friends. It was like Brandon and like three or four other people. And so I went over to their house, and then the first time I was there, I did play Yu-Gi-Oh! with Brandon. We played like Marvel vs. Capcom 2. We played some uh, Brawl. Um, yeah, this sounds all correct. Like Marvel 2, Brawl. I think we played like a little like Devil May Cry, Yeah, and we played Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, and that was all like my first time, and I, I'm pretty sure I spent the night. And I didn't even really know Brandon at the time. Like, it was my first time meeting him. I just like went there and spent the night. That was um, that your first time ever playing Yu-Gi-Oh, though. No. Okay, so you had already been a Yu-Gi-Oh player prior to meeting Brandon, right? Brandon? Yeah, 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 yeah. I played Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, I played Yu-Gi-Oh when it came out. I met Brand because I didn't meet Brandon until I was 15 or 16, okay. and I played Yu-Gi-Oh when I was like in fifth grade or fourth grade. Okay, so Yu-Gi-Oh started really early for you as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I literally, I rem- I played it when it, like, when it came out, like, when the show started, when <laughs> yeah. the very, when all that was out was, like, Legend of Blue Eyes and Starter Pack Kaiba and shit. Okay, like so it was immediately a hit with you as well. I, I think, for me, I played it so early that the Yugi and Kaiba starter decks were still on shelves. Like, you could just go into a store yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. I want three Kaibas, which is exactly how I started playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, I, I, I've told my story on here before. We have an episode titled Yu-Gi-Oh! It's one of our first episodes. It's in the top. It's like in the first 10 episodes we ever did of this podcast, right? And I remember, I think it was... second episode. It might be. It's called Shadow Realm, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think because the first episode is the general introduction. And then the second episode is is like the Yu-Gi-Oh! episode. Yeah. So I started Yu-Gi-Oh! very young. I believe I was in seventh grade to be exact. But some kid in my class... Uh, we used to go to the library after school, and for some reason, he decided to take me to a car store before we went to the library. And he was like, yo, I want you to get into this new game. Uh, you know, you're going to buy a starter deck, and then you're going to get some packs or whatever. Mind you, I didn't really, like, have money like that. But he was just like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. You're going to start playing. It's really easy. And then we play for cards and stuff, and he, we have this little, like, league and everything. So we went to the car store, and I remember Feral Servant being out. I remember buying packs buying uh well he got me at least one 
blue eyes, Kaiba starter deck. And, you know, that was whatever. But then I ended up watching the show because I was obsessed after seeing them play a little bit. I ended up watching the show and I immediately saw Kaiba had three blue eyes, white dragons. I saw him make blue eyes, ultimate dragon. And that the obsession happened so fast. I have a very obsessive personality. It's why I don't do a lot of different things. And my friends are always trying to get me like, oh, play poker or do this or play this. I'm like, I can't risk it. I, I have a very addictive personality. So I got addicted to Yu-Gi-Oh immediately. And the next time I went to the car store with my friend, his name was Rashawn. And when we went to the car store again, I had to get two more Blue Eyes starter decks, two more Kyber starter decks so that I could have three. And I just remember going home and, you know, I didn't know how to play the game. We talked about this before, but I didn't know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh at all. I just kind of did what they did on the show. You could summon the Blue Eyes yeah. for no cost, no tributes. But I remember staring at my actual three copies of Blue Eyes in my room, like just by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done the same shit. It's just weird. Like staring at them. I would just stare at my cool cards and read them. And when normal monsters, you know, they had really, well, they still do, but they have really cool text, flavor text. Dude, that's like the, that's one of the biggest uh, missed opportunities of Yu Gi Oh! in general is that effect monsters don't have flavor text. Yeah, man. it's kind of sad. I, I really. Like, so, I get, I mean, to be fair, there's not room on the fucking card, there, but like, but it just sucks. Like, they, I don't know. What do you think about if they did it on the back? What if going forward, Yu-Gi-Oh! started printing flavor text for effect monsters on the back of the card? So I've thought about that. And although I think that'd be cool, they can't, they would never do it because although everybody plays the game sleeved, the game needs to be playable without sleeves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, it's probably not a good idea to print something on the back of a card. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, whatever. I I really uh I remember just being obsessed with Blue Eyes White Dragon very early on. I was obsessed with Kaiba. I just liked his general attitude. Uh, he just hated the main character. Seemed like was wanted to win really bad and would stop at nothing, which was a little wild. But you know, episode one, we didn't know at the time, but Yugi was just fucking cheating. The heart heart of the cards is just cheating, guys. Like if you don't if you don't know. The heart of the cards is just, I can draw whatever I want, and that is has, not okay. He has lapped gores at any time. Lapped gores at any time. Also, drawing five pieces of Exodia at the perfect moment when there's three blue eyes on the field. Just anything. Yugi was just on all bullshit from the very beginning of that series, but the anime was great. And it got me hooked so fast. So all of my friends somehow started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! without me saying anything or telling them to get into it. Like I didn't spread the sickness myself. They just naturally got into it as well at the same exact time. The next thing I know, my best friend was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And he lived a little far away. He actually lived in your area, like where you live at right now. Yeah, he yeah. kind of lived in that area. And he would come to Philly, where I live, to visit his grandma, and he just had cards. He was like, oh yeah, I started playing too. I have cards. And we oh. would play. And the crazy thing is we would play for cards, which I don't recommend you do with your close friends, but we did because that's just what we thought was normal uh, because the show had like rare hunters and all that stuff. Yeah. So we would play for cards, but it would be, it was great. I, I I have so many fond memories of staying up extremely late playing Yu-Gi-Oh! until my eyes are almost closing. I remember I, um, so I got into it immediately, like super early on, like literally when it came out. Yeah. At some point though, I don't remember when. At some point I did fall out of it, like still relatively young. Yeah. I fell out of it. And then I remember I got back into it. And as a kid, if you know, it feels like it was seven years later. But realistically, looking back, it was like I guess two months. I don't fucking yeah, know. yeah. I know what you mean. But, though, those lapses where yeah, yeah. But it felt like I was out of Yu Gi Oh forever. But when I look back, I'm like, well, 
it, it, it wasn't. Like, it was a month, two months, whatever. But anyway, my point is, I remember I went to uh, my friend Cheyenne's birthday, and he and I think Medina were playing, and he ended up giving me, like, a, just a random stack of cards. And um, that ended up getting me back into it. And I remember going home and playing people for cards on my front step. Uh, and there were, like, kids in the neighborhood that had decks. I would play them for their cards. Yep. I remember this one neighbor kid... I played him. I pretty much played him for all his cards. Like I took basically every card he has. <laughs> you were like um, me. And I remember he had a secret rare. I think it was a secret rare. I want to say it's like Knight Serpent Dragon or something. He's like a twenty nine fifty Serpent Knight tribute. Dragon, I think. Yeah, and he was. I think he was secret rare. Anyway, I like. I remember taking that from him and basically every other card he had. Yeah, it was a good. Time. I was the I same. Trihorn Dragon. I'm pretty sure I won Trihorn Dragon off him. Another secret rare, right? That card is secret yeah. rare, super old, probably very expensive now. First edition mint. But yes, so. Yep. The creator of the game, I just want to say how much I appreciate what he's done to the world because it's crazy when you think he was only 60 years old, right? And I'm very grateful that I was born way after him and way after he made Yu-Gi-Oh! Because Yu-Gi-Oh! without me really knowing it probably did in a way save my life. I don't know what I would have been doing without it because I was naturally an outcast as a kid. I was naturally, I wasn't very popular like in school and stuff. I wasn't. And I'm naturally an introvert uh, around people. I don't know if you know, for my friends who are probably listening to this or people who know me and are listening to this podcast right now, they're probably like, Frazier, an introvert? Where? But that's because around you guys, I get to be like so happy and be myself completely. Whereas when I don't know people, I'm just like very reserved and quiet and and, like just kind of studying the room and seeing what people are about. But I'm not really like completely letting loose when I don't know everyone in the room where some people are extroverted and they just can walk up to random people and speak. I don't do that. Like I'm not, I'm not here for that at all. I've always been that way. So in school I was like very introverted. Funny, like side note about that is my mom is super extroverted. Whereas my sister is very introverted. So we, we all work at the same bar and all three of you. Yeah. yeah, Oh, that's cool. Okay. I didn't know your mom was like, I literally, I have two shifts where I literally work with my sister. I don't have any shifts with my mom, but she works there too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there was a shift where my mom was done her shift and she she was hanging at the bar and like while me and Miranda were working. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she's there for like hours hanging out and she like makes four friends while she's there. It's a no for me. It's a no for me. By the end of the night, Miranda goes, Miranda goes, now you know, if, if it was the other way around, and I was sitting at the bar waiting for y'all, I would have sat in the fucking corner and not talked to one person. Like, <laughs> she was like, I wouldn't have made one friend. Miranda is me, I am her, <laughs> she is me. Like, I, there's no world where I'm talking to four complete strangers. I just don't do that. So, with Yu-Gi-Oh!, what it did was, it helped me to identify people who were like-minded and also nerds, which, you know, at, at, at a time in in the world, the word nerd was a derogatory term. It was used. Yeah. Nerd a, geek work. It was used in a bad way. It was then the connotation was not good. I embrace the term nerd now. I mean, we named the podcast. I'm their podcast because yep. we kind of like taking the word back. It's, it's not a negative at all. When I, call, when I consider myself a nerd, when I call other people nerds, like it's not a bad thing. I actually prefer that people are nerds. I prefer that we like anime and video games and Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon and magic and Hearthstone and whatever else you're into that's like nerd related, Marvel movies, whatever. It's so hard to hold a conversation with a quote unquote normal person, man. Like, bro, it's fucking dreadful. You want to take it a step further? I've tried dating outside of nerds and it just doesn't work. Like, every time I've ever been in any kind of relationship with someone who's not 
into yeah. anime and video games. We have nothing in common outside of physical attraction. It's like, sure, yeah. I am physically attracted to you. You are definitely cute or, or good looking. But after that, there's not much there. And that kind of fucking sucks. Like It's really bad. Whereas the best relationships I've ever had in my life have been with Yu-Gi-Oh players. Like when I've yeah. dated Yu-Gi-Oh players, it's been the absolute best relationships I've ever had. Yeah, I've definitely like it, it's weird because like I've dated girls where it's they're once again quote unquote normal. Yeah, right? I'm saying, but after the attract, there's just nothing because okay, this is kind of cringy, right? <laughs> but a long time ago, when when MySpace was a thing, right before Facebook, there was MySpace, and on MySpace you could like set you know you would set your name or whatever. And your name was almost also like a status. It was weird. Yeah. But at, at one point, I named my MySpace. It was Bitch, I Just Want to Watch Keenan and Kel. Like, that was the name <laughs> of my mind, MySpace. And it came from, there was an actual quote that I said where there was one day I was arguing with my girlfriend because, like, she just was being normal and girlfriend shit. And there was a point where I was just, like, kind of done with it. Yeah. And I literally turned. I was like, bitch, I just want to watch Kenan and Kel. It's <laughs> like, Kenan and Kel was on. <laughs> and it, like, it hadn't been on. It was like, it came back. It hadn't been on in years. And I was just like, bitch, I just want to watch Kenan Listen, and Kel. I understand. I have been in situations where my very normal significant other just doesn't understand why I want to watch this show that's not in English and read subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, doesn't this come in English? It does, but it's cringe if I watch it in English. I have to watch it in Japanese. I have to read it. Yes, I'm, I know that it's probably not your thing. You don't understand why I'm so hype about this. And it it just yeah. doesn't work. So Kazuki Takahashi making Yu-Gi-Oh! brought me one step closer into being my true nerd yeah. self. Like we said, you. so for example, right? And this is one of those interesting thought experiment type things, but... So you and me are only friends right now, in a way, because of Yu-Gi-Oh, yes. right? Not that our whole friendship, we played Yu-Gi-Oh together. Right. Realistically, you and me didn't even play each other that much. We, we haven't, honestly. Um, But the whole reason why we're friends is Yu-Gi-Oh. So, and, but the thing is, it's like, sure, it's possible we both live in the same city. It's possible somehow we would have met and became friends some other way. But it's just like how FF7 or Ocarina of Time gets credit for like doing something first. It's like... Sure, maybe something would have done it eventually, but like those are the ones that did it, so those are the ones that get the credit. You know right. what I mean? No, I agree with you so, because I, when you think about it, though, so there are, so we live in Philadelphia or in the Philadelphia area, right? And there are tons of video games that we both yeah. like, but I don't know how we would have ever come together. Card stores are so unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it's so cool. The Yu-Gi-Oh world that was created by takahashi is insane because he brought so many people together that i really don't know what would have done it otherwise i can't I think, think of a way realistically I think the only way we would have met otherwise would have been maybe if like we went to a smash 4 local like when smash 4 came out and that's 2014 right yeah that's like that's a good four to five years after yes that's insane like it, it just would not have happened realistically it, yeah, it yeah. just wouldn't have so Yu-Gi-Oh! has literally brought me to my closest friends. And it's great. If you even look at the image for this podcast, it's me as the Dark Magician. That is the actual image. Yeah. And I asked, you know, the my one of my oldest sponsors, Jim McMahon from ARG, uh, if we could use that image because that was on my token when I was sponsored. And 
you know, they used to call me the Dark Magician, and I, I love that name. And it has like a, a funny double meaning to a double entendre, right? Dark Magician, and I happen to be black and everything. But I embrace like all of those things. It's like I just love everything about being a fucking nerd. I love the idea that when the artist drew me as Dark Magician, I fell in love with it immediately. It's so cool to me that that's a thing. Uh, and I just love the fact that we're able to play this card game, travel the world, meet all these people who, again, I just feel like I would have never known. And some of the greatest moments of my life have been surrounded by Yu-Gi-Oh, if not the actual greatest, because like, yeah, graduating college is cool and all it's but it's more so that's for like my family. Like they care about that more than I really do. I do that shit because like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. just what you do. But other than that, like Yu-Gi-Oh, like me winning a YCS, me playing in tournaments, traveling, going to Europe, going to Canada, um, all yeah, of those things is just literally because of Yu-Gi-Oh. Some of your some of your personal greatest and maybe you could talk about this because i don't know if i ever even really asked you or if i know but like some of your greatest accomplishments let's say like for example ycs atlanta which is a huge moment for yeah. you right yeah it's pivotal like your parent like your parents that's like a moment that's so big for you but your parent like it probably doesn't really mean anything to it, them right so it's not as big for my parents my parents don't get me wrong right when i came home and i won they were happy for me but it was so fast it was yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it, they they care as much as a parent can care about something that they don't really understand my parents don't yeah, quite yeah, understand yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh. they've seen me now i grew up playing it i was in seventh grade right so i i was obsessed with the game since seventh grade and i played it all the fucking time and they would just call it dumb cards they were like, yeah, oh, yeah. he's playing he's outside playing them cards or go get frazier he's on the steps playing them cards. i used to play on my front steps where kids will walk past they be like, oh, I got that dark magician. I got that blue eyes. You know how people do when yeah, yeah. they want to be so cool. I got cool. a story about that in a second. They, they People want to be so cool. They act like they don't like Yu-Gi-Oh! They don't know about Yu-Gi-Oh! So they, they walk past. They can't completely stop and be a part of a group or whatever's happening there because they don't want to be seen with like Yu-Gi-Oh! players back when that was like, oh, it's I want to be popular, so I have to pretend like I don't know anything about this game. So they walk by and it's like, oh, I got, blue, I got blue eyes. I got dark magician. But me and my friends who would play on the steps... We literally were unbothered by anything that anyone walking by would say. We would be dueling for hours. Didn't care yeah. who said what, who walked past. Sometimes people walk by and stop and say, can you teach me? Sometimes people walk by and try to mock us. Did not make us feel any kind of way, no matter what. And I, I again, this is like, these are things that I really appreciate because it gave me such thick skin to just know, like, I love this game so fucking much. And even if people, you know, I quit playing competitive Yu-Gi-Oh around 2016-2017 and everyone who's ever played the game definitely complains about formats and stuff like that which is no fault of the creator at all but the game is still great for everything that it's done outside of just any particular yeah. format like the game is so amazing that I I'm back playing it now like I'm back playing Yu-Gi-Oh just a different format like I'm a, I'm a really a Yu-Gi-Oh player again like I fully play Yu-Gi-Oh every single week of my life again yeah, the base idea of the game is really fun. Also, just the anime, the manga, like the original manga and the original, like even original season zero, as they call it, anime. Yeah. Like that shit was so cool. For anybody that maybe doesn't know, like the original Yu Gi Oh! didn't necessarily start out as full on about the card game all the time. Yeah, it wasn't it was Monsters. about like they did like a bunch of different games, uh, and Yama Yugi was a asshole and straight up killing people. Yep. Then eventually, like, there was a part where they did do a card game, and that part became so popular, and he kind of expanded that part of it, and Yu-Gi-Oh's identity ended up becoming based around that dual monsters. Yeah, so what's cool about that is the premise of the original Shadow Games, right, before it was 
Duel Monsters was kids get bullied and Yugi, Yami Yugi challenges these people to a shadow game. And if mm-hmm. they lose, they get punished. And punishment usually meant death. So yeah, and this also keys into why he's called the king of games. It's because like in regular Yu-Gi-Oh, you never really think about it if if you don't think about it, I guess. But yeah, yeah. He's the king of a game. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> in original show. Yu-Gi-Oh, he's the because each time like he plays, like there's one where they're like tied together by a string and they're on like both sides of a fucking roof, like a pointed roof. Yeah. And they're and like they play some crazy game, like, I don't fuck, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was one where, like, the guy has gasoline on his fist, and he has, like, a lit, lit lighter, and it's, like, he has to, like, catch something before it falls, but if he does it, he lights himself on fire, like, some nonsense, and yeah, Yami was it's on dark. some shit. It's very dark, but essentially it was an anti-bullying manga. Yeah. It's, it's in a weird way, like, when you really think about it, he always challenged people who were, like, criminal or bullies of kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because maybe the creator actually himself was, has experienced something like this. I'm pr- pretty much almost all kids have experienced some level of bullying, even if it didn't fully affect you, but just the idea yeah. of a bully, everyone has experienced in some way, someone trying to bully them or actually bullying them. And especially when you're different, like us, when you're, when you're a nerd, when you're like just different, people tend to bully you more. So it makes perfect sense that someone in that world would make this type of story basically revenge on bullies and every time they lost one of the shadow games they just lost their I, life it was very crazy I, real life almost got killed over like i don't know if i told the story but over Yu-Gi-Oh and over like being bullied um there was a time i had a friend that i played Yu-Gi-Oh with all the time yeah and we played blah 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 and then i had moved with my dad for like a year or two and then i came back to my old neighborhood like during the summer to hang out and i met him and over those two years, he became what I like to call a cool kid. A cool kid, oh, God. someone who completely is like, he kind of rejects all the shit that he used to, that was like actually fun or whatever. He's, and he used to blatantly cool. love. Yeah, that he blatantly loved. He makes fun of it now. Now he just like does drugs all the time and like gets drunk. And if, look, if you do drugs, smoke, I don't give a fuck. My problem is that when you, when you're just like, oh, no, nah, man, like I don't watch anime anymore. I just, I smoke. Or they pretend like they never did, right? That's yeah, yeah. So here's so that's the thing. I saw that he was being a cool kid, and then so me being me, I was like, "Hey, man! Like, remember when we used to play Yu-Gi-Oh?" And he's like around <laughs> his new cool kid yeah, friend, yeah. and he was like, "Nah, nah! Like, I never played that gay shit. Like, it was literally, Damn, literally when he just like that." His and I was just like, "Oh, come on, dude!" And the one guy was like, "Oh, what's that? Like, blue eyes Charizard or whatever? Yeah. Like, he did that <laughs> thing course. that you you said earlier. He's like, oh, what's that? Like, uh, blue eyes Charizard." So anyway, he, <laughs> of course, we go back and forth, and I kind of like embarrass him, right? And then like whatever, and then like I leave, and then hours later that night, like at ten o'clock at night, he calls me up and he's like, "Oh, my bad, like whatever, um, like you know whatever he says." And then like he wants to hang out or whatever, and I'm like, "Okay," and I'm on my way home. So I was like, oh, I'll meet you here. And so on my way home, I see him and I walk up to him and he's like, oh, hey. And then as I walk up to him, like three guys come up from behind him. And it's the guys that he had with him earlier. And then oh, the one dude takes his shirt off and immediately comes over and they just fucking jump me. Wow. And so I'm fight. I'm like fighting these guys. And I'm the one dude's way bigger than me. He's muscular as shit. So I'm fighting him. I'm holding my own, but I'm I'm kind of like. Yeah, you're getting jumped. So, it's, you know, it's, I'm getting jumped. You know not, what I mean? I'm it's not, not a fair fight to begin with. And then. In this happening, I see, the, and I still remember his name. Obviously, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. But I see another kid running up, 
And it's another one that was with that group. And he has a full-on, like, butcher knife in his hand. And he's running toward me. And I fucking, as I, I like, grab the one dude by his, like, chest, I throw him, like, push him, and I just fucking run past him. And I run my goddamn ass off. And I run up to this person's house, and I start banging on their door. Oh, that's and, like, serious so, fuck. And, like, I'm banging on, like, this guy's door, saying, like, somebody's chasing me with a fucking knife. And, uh, like, I... They don't answer, like, they don't open the door, and I just, like, run into their backyard, like, jump in these bushes and shit. But, like, they legit jumped me, and there's another guy that was chasing yeah, you. don't know what was going to happen knife. after that, because anything just could because, have happened like, to you. Just because, like, I embarrassed somebody right. over Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, That's insane. Nonsense. But you know what they needed? They needed a fucking Shadow Games, what those kids needed. They did need a fucking Shadow Games. Those kids needed to be sent to the Shadow Realm. They needed to be in the next chapter of the manga, because that's insane. Now, I have never... God... Thank you. I've never been jumped or anything like that, uh, but I have definitely been teased and mocked and even, I guess you would call it bullied because of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, I've had people definitely say aggressive things to me because I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh! or because I like Yu-Gi-Oh! or whatever, which is so strange yeah, to yeah. me, even still to this day. But again, I guess just because I just have a I-don't-give-a-fuck mentality and I'm not really afraid of people, they never yep. physically did anything to me, but I could see that being a thing you know, in different circumstances, like if I, I don't know if I embarrass, like how you embarrass someone, I guess, because of who they used to be and they reject that, that part of themselves now is so dumb. But again, like Yu-Gi-Oh is great because of all of the things that brought us together in a sense, nerds are allowed to just be unapologetically nerdy. I was allowed to Chidori you in the chest at our local Yu-Gi-Oh store, right? Because yeah. we're just surrounded by people who all watch Naruto. We're surrounded by people who all watch Bleach. We're surrounded by people who all play Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! and collect cards, and some people are in this competitive, where it's like, I'm a hyper-competitive person. You have people who just, I like to collect every secret rare out of every set, first edition, put it into a sleeve, and never touch it, and those people are probably rich now. Right? You got... Those were, those were, they were actually better than you, Fraser. I oh, I 100%. Know, like, they were the smart ones. The people who collected <laughs> when I was busy traveling, selling cards so that I could get to the next event, and all of that, the people who kept all of their cards and never went to any events, they they won in the end. They, they, they won. They the people with the page, the people who have a page of LOB Blue Eyes First Edition and Gem Ten, like those people won in the end. It's crazy because Yu-Gi-Oh sold over billions and billions and billions of cards now since 1998 yeah. when it first started and 2002 when it first came out in the U.S. It has sold billions upon billions of actual cards and. You can just imagine this guy who made this manga, Kazuki Takahashi, like I don't I don't think he realizes the impact that he was going to have on the world when he first made not when he started, yeah. There's I mean, no, obviously yeah. later he did, but when he there was absolutely no way he could have known. I mean, right? he made something that is there's no way, right? Like he changed lives. Like my, again, I feel like my life has been molded around this game. So much of You know it, what else is so interesting? Go ahead. It's not even like he went into it. So, for example, Magic the Gathering, which is like the the two biggest trading card games in the world. I mean, I, okay, Pokemon too. Yeah. But it's like Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon. My point is, though, Magic the Gathering was designed as a card game. Pokemon was designed as a video game, but then, like, they made... The point that I'm getting to is that when he made Yu-Gi-Oh, he didn't really... Like, the intention of making this big card game to... to compete with match of the gathering wasn't his point. no you know that what wasn't I mean? that wasn't his point that wasn't the objective at all and it's just kind of a, a symptom of making yeah. something amazing and then shonen jump seeing that and being like holy shit this is a hit 
and mm-hmm. Konami jumping in and saying, we can monetize this and bring this into reality. Like this, this concept of dual monsters can become a reality. And in Japan, from what I was reading in my research in Japan, it just immediately took off. Yu-Gi-Oh was, it was like Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon had a crazy cult-like following immediately. So much so that yeah, yeah. the very first Yu-Gi-Oh event, they, they held it at like a baseball field or something like that. And they had to call in riot, like riot police because of how many parents and children showed up and were going crazy to get the cards. That's how crazy the first Yu-Gi-Oh public event was in Japan that it needed riot police. So this game has started out. It was an overnight success. It was one of those things that just, you didn't know how ridiculous this was going to get. Yeah. Bigger than your wildest dreams. But just think about this guy was only 60 years old, right? The creator was only 60 years old when he passed away. So he's not that much older than us, right? Like you're, our parents are pretty close to him in age. And the fact that we got to exist in a time where we would be kids growing up while that game came out, that we're so lucky. Like that is extremely lucky to like be around. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, when he made Yu-Gi-Oh, he was younger than us, right? Younger than we are right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it, you know, it's pretty wild. Also, so you said he, do we know? So I know he died snorkeling. Yeah. Like, was it, I, I we know what happened. Did he just like have a heart attack or was it like a malfunction so with the snorkeling gear? The, from what I saw, the details still are not very clear yet. Uh, they said that the body looked like it had been out there for more than one day, though. Uh, and they oh, said wow. that it looked like it looked like a marine animal of some sort had gotten to him. But he had already they think that he had already been uh, passed away when, it, you know, when something happened to him from something in the water. So oh, it's wow. it's a lot of mystery on how he passed. It's so tragic, too, because, you know, it's one thing, you know, you pass away because your old age. I didn't even realize that Kazuki Takahashi was this young. Like I consider 60 with our, with our age in mind. I consider 60 to not be that old. Like, it's not that old where you're expected to not live. Like people live way past their 60s. Yeah, so like 60 is old. But yes, it's, it's not the age where people usually die. Yeah. So and it, in terms of natural. Yeah. Natural deaths at 60 is just, you know, it's not the most common thing living in 2022. So for him to pass away in this way, it is really tragic. And I mean, he accomplished a great deal in his lifespan. And I don't know. It's really mysterious. I, I didn't like when I first heard about him passing away and I was reading about it. I was like, man, the first thing my mind went to was, is there some kind of foul play? But we still don't know what happened because I I don't know. I don't know what kind of guy he was as far as does he go snorkeling alone often? Is that something that he just does? What did anyone see him? You know, this is one of those things. My mind always wonders. I'm always a skeptic. I'm a skeptic with everything. So naturally, when it comes to something that I care about so much as Yu-Gi-Oh! and a guy who made the game, uh, I was really wondering if there was something else going on. But as far as we know right now, we don't have any more details. Yeah. Unfortunately, it yeah. might have been an accident. Yeah, it might have been a crazy accident. Freak accidents happen all the time. This is what I'll say this. Uh I am personally am very afraid of large bodies of water. I know some people really, really like that type of thing. Some people love snorkeling. I am so afraid. I've never been snorkeling. I've I've been offered the chance to do so. I am very afraid of anything that involves being in the ocean or in a deep lake or anything like that. I've never done it. And I'm and I honestly have no desire to do it because of how afraid I am of that. I could go snorkeling, but it would be definitely in a controlled environment. Like once again, I don't. I guess I we don't know how he went, but like if they didn't find his body till a day later, I feel like he was like 
private snorkeling. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, 300, like, 300 feet off, 300, I forget what they said, 300 meters, 300 meters, I think, off the coast. So like, if I were to go snorkeling, it would be like a thing where there's like a guy, you know, you go and there's a guy, you okay, sign okay. up for Yeah, yeah. I get you know what, what you mean. Like someone who's chaperoning you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like, okay. I'm not going snorkeling on my own. Yeah, like, Kenny's I'll, not going I'll go water. snorkeling, but like, there's people there. There's like, yes. you go, like some fucking guy with like, you know, a lifeguard, he drives you out on a little boat. He's like, all right, guys, so this is, uh, this <laughs> yeah, is where you yeah. go over here. Yeah. I need that guy. Like, that guy's there. When I go snorkeling, that guy's going to be there. I agree with you 100%. If I were ever to do something like that, even though I never will, but if I were to ever do something like that, it would be in a very controlled environment. I, I'm i actually, uh, what do they call it? Risk, adverse, averse from like pretty much everything. So I was given the opportunity to do ziplining before with my coworkers. There was a company outing one time at one of my jobs. And mind you, we're all accountants and like finance people. Don't ask me why the fuck they wanted to go ziplining, but we ended uh, up. That's why. That's literally why. Because here's the thing. This is what we were talking about earlier. How normal people have nothing to fucking talk about. Okay. <laughs> Nor like, because when I'm at work all day, like I talk to hundreds of people a day. Yeah. Because I'm working in a bar. They have nothing to talk about. It's literally just whatever sports game is currently on. Yeah. Or whatever sports game just ended. Yeah. Or like whatever concert they went to when they were twenty. Like no, like that's it. Like that's all. No. That's, because they don't actively have anything to do. Like it's just watching baseball or talking about the Prince Purple Rain concert that they. I now, feel granted, like I wish I could have went to go see Prince Purple Rain. My point is that's that's it. That's all they got. They got Prince Purple like, Rain and the Phillies. I feel like the the normies, and I'm using this word. The normies, honestly, were the ones who should have been bullied because if you don't have some kind of nerd culture about you i don't know what you're doing with your life honestly that's why they go ziplining because like they have nothing to do so like they, they go to work all the time and they have all this money but like they don't have anything to do yeah so you they're just like, like oh you... let's go let's go skydiving or, Bro, you know what i mean what like, do people actually fucking do when they don't play games at all when you don't play I, games you don't watch anime I, or any, like what do normal i honestly don't know because obviously if you listen to this podcast you are a nerd like period like you're just a nerd and you love Yu-Gi-Oh! Most likely you love other nerd-related things. I don't. I wonder what do regular, regular people do who do not play video games or anything? I just that just seems so insane to me when I think about it. They drink. They go like this is what they do. They go out to like they go out with their friends to a bar and they drink and they talk about the Phillies. It's crazy. It's crazy. Or a concert they went to twenty years ago. That's what they do. Well, thank God for uh, Kazuki Takahashi for making Yu-Gi-Oh! Right. Saving my life for sure because I actually survived off of Yu-Gi-Oh for a while. There was a period in my life where, first of all, let's just be clear: I never had a job until I was. So my first ever job, I was nineteen, and I was an intern. So I was in college, and my college had an intern I'm program. Sure you were interning. Yeah, exactly. I was an intern. I was in college, and because of that, that was like the first job I ever had, and I was making twenty fifty an hour as a nineteen-year-old. I'll never forget because apparently at the time. Mind you, this is a while ago now, but apparently that was a lot of money and I had no concept of like what is a lot, what is a little or whatever, because I was 19 and I didn't have a job ever. So to me, I was like, okay, this is what I'm making. I worked 80 hours a week because it was tax season and that's just how it is. So I made a a time, I got paid time and a half and it was great. I had all this money, I had all this stuff, but I just couldn't relate to anyone around me. And I just remember being like surrounded by, I guess, quote unquote, normal people 
but always constantly wanting to get to locals and play Yu-Gi-Oh and that type of thing. Like I always just wanted yeah. to to just like I don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh just work working for money never spoke to me because I was able to survive off of just selling cards for a while and then after that internship ended, I had a lot of money saved up, but I was still buying and selling cards to support myself and I even had an apartment like I was living across the street from locals. That's how crazy you got. I was living across the street from Red Cap's Corner on 41st and Locust. I had an apartment across the street from my local. My local was literally, I mean, literally, like not even, when I say literally, I mean literally. It was across the street. That shit was so sick because I remember I would go, like I would go, it was Tuesday. was the main day that we did Yu-Gi-Oh! Locals, I want to yeah. say, right? Yeah, something random would, like that sounds right. And I would go to Red Cap on like Tuesday. And then play play there till yep. nine ten o'clock at night, and then I would literally walk across the street and just go to Fraser's house and yeah. like play melee or watch a fucking Jet Li movie. Yes, and go to, and go to sleep. Like, it's crazy. I literally got an apartment across because that's how that's how much I loved being away from my college and being closer to Yu Gi Oh. I went closer to my locals. It was my happy place. Honestly, there was a period where I started to, I don't know. I just kind of never wanted to be home. And I don't know what that was about. I don't know if I was like low key miserable with my home life or something, whatever it was, I never wanted to be home. There was a period where after school, I would go to locals. I would stay there till locals closed. I would go home, go to sleep, wake up and do the same exact thing the next day. And that was my life for a very long time. And I loved those days so much. Those are like some of the most defining days of my life. Just being around the people, uh, team galaxy, uh, JMC collectibles where I met like, my friend Kevin Daly, Dante Jones, Sean McCabe, and then Alter Universes where I met Steve Silverman, like a lot of other people, right? Like I met so many people from Yu-Gi-Oh! who I still know today. We're still very good friends. I mean, we pretty much go out every single Thursday night after Edison Locals and eat and stuff and talk. And it's just, it's crazy that I would not know these people. These people would not be my friends if this game didn't exist from this guy, right? This guy who literally, again, isn't that much older than us. But he created something, this world that brought so many like-minded people together. And this week is actually U.S. Nationals. Like this Saturday of this podcast episode, this, uh, this airing, it's currently July 10th as we're recording this. But Yu-Gi-Oh! Nationals in the U.S. is happening this Saturday. And I know people are going to play their hearts out. I know a lot of people, they already wanted to win, but people are going to go hard. This, this, yeah. this one is going to mean a lot. Like the year where the creator has passed, this is, this is going to mean a lot. And I, I really, I'm hoping that like the most deserving person wins. I'm hoping that it's just a, like, they come with a great deck. You know, that's what it's all about, right? Like you, you grind, you grind, you grind, you play infinite matches, you talk and you go back and forth and you change your deck 18 times. And then you circle back and you come back to the beginning where it all started. And you, however, out, whatever happens, somehow you figured out that you figured out Karibo. Is the tech card you need. <laughs> original Karibo fucking gets you there. I just, I really, I really hope that everyone, I won't be there. Uh, I decided that I'm not going to go because I really wanted there to be like Edison side events uh, dedicated at the championship this year, but I don't think there is. And for me, it's like, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to go and only watch people play Modern Yu-Gi-Oh! Where I can't completely follow the game, if I'm being honest. Like, I kind of yeah. get it, but I don't know the combos that well, so watching doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, yeah, but you yeah. just you would just go there and you would talk to your friends and I really like that'd be cool. But at the end of the day, like you know, yeah, it's just not yeah. So I good luck to everyone going to nationals this weekend in Chicago, uh, and I hope that the best deck wins. I hope that the best player wins and all that stuff. But yeah, so, I mean, 
Shout out, shout Real out quick, to the random players. note once again. Uh, you mentioned Sean McCabe, and I forgot I wanted to ask you. I need to ask McCabe. The other day, like last week or the week before, I'm like putting checks in at the bar, and somebody signed and it said Sean McCabe. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, was he here? I was like, was he just randomly here for Ooh, some fucking reason? He might have been. And then, you know, obviously I didn't see him, and I wanted to see. Uh, it might have been him because I know that there's been a couple of nights where after locals, he would go to a bar, specifically a bar. And I even said, I don't know who you are anymore because that is such a foreign concept for us to even go out. Like we're, we're the kind of nerds that clubs and bars just did not speak to us when we were younger in our twenties. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, that just did not speak to us. So now that we're older, it's kind of weird that. Like, I know he started to go out a little bit more, uh, you know, mingling and dating and all that type of stuff. But that that's for me has still just been like weird. Now, granted, I go to bars and I've been to clubs and stuff like that. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I've done it enough to know what it's like. I know exactly what I'm getting into when I go to one. It's that situation. We always see those memes that are like, every time I go out, I ask myself, why did I come here? That's why me. Did I come here? That's me. Every time I go to a bar or club, every time I'm there, I'm like, OK. Even though I'm having a good time, I'd, I'd rather just be playing a Dude, game. That's, watch that happens to me so many times. Like, really? You go somewhere and you're just like, dude, I would, like, yeah, this is this is cool, right? Like, this, this is fun. I guess it's a memory. But, like, I would so much rather just be home yeah. and playing whatever, whatever game I'm playing at the time. Right now it's Monster Hunter or, like, whatever. Yeah, I'd rather be doing anything else. And so... I don't know. Being a nerd is just great. I think it's one of the best things to be, honestly. Like, again, I don't know what I would do without Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know what I would do without anime and video games. And Yu-Gi-Oh! being the biggest of them all, because I started playing in seventh grade. I am still playing now. So most of my life, I've been a Yu-Gi-Oh! player in some capacity. And even when I wasn't playing, like the five-year period where I just completely wasn't playing Yu-Gi-Oh! at all. Like, I did not play a single game of Yu-Gi-Oh! in five years. Even that period, I still kept up with the game. Like, my Facebook is still predominantly Yu-Gi-Oh! and Yu-Gi-Oh! friends, and I still comment on the game a lot. So despite not playing it, I'm pretty aware of like what's going on in the formats. I was judging Yu-Gi-Oh! for years after I stopped playing as well. And that's another thing I really like. People, you know, don't really quite understand why somebody as competitive as me would be judging, but I used to like watching people play for some reason. I like spectating. Judge people. That's true. That's actually honestly yeah i think you hit the nail on the head though i think that is actually what it is period i think i just like judging people i'm a people watcher and watching people play and thinking about what i would have done and how the game would have played out has always been just therapeutic for me it also has helped me to be a better player to judge and watch multiple games play out i kind of consider it the same way naruto does his kagibunchi no jutsu and he makes a hundred clones and they all train and then when he cancels the jutsu he gains all of the information and everything from the training sessions that all of the hundred clones had, which is insane, right? So imagine you're able to create copies of yourself. One of them goes to study to be a software engineer. One of them goes to study to be an architect. One of them goes to be a police officer. One of them goes to be a firefighter. And then after they finish their entire tenure doing those things, you recall them and you are now, you have all the information that they have. Like you have done, you have lived all of those lives but it's all in you. It just, that would just be an, an insane thing. Obviously, it's not that broken, but watching watching five games at a time, right? Like standing behind five players and seeing how when they say you get players, you have 40 minutes, you may begin. Watching them all start off, draw their opening hand and walking back and forth and looking at everyone's opening hand and then what they do with their ending board and then knowing what I would have done 
is like really, really cool. And it's a lot of information to take in. And uh, sometimes I see things that I didn't think of. Well, this is the important part. I see things that I didn't think of and it's either really bad or sometimes really good. And it increases my overall knowledge of how to play, which increases my technical skill and it makes me a better player overall. So there is like merit to doing it. Why are you laughing? I love, there is nothing I love more in any game, but in Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever it is, that when someone does something so bad, you're like, I couldn't even have thought of that if I tried. <laughs> like, I couldn't I couldn't have thought of that play if I fucking tried. Oh, if, I, if I tried to do the worst play possible, I could not have done that play. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, you've heard me say that line many times now. Like, literally, when I'm training your cousin, who is way younger, he's only been playing Yu-Gi-Oh for like two years at this point, pretty much the, the entirety of the pandemic. He's been playing, and so he's very, very young in Yu-Gi-Oh compared to everyone else I know in the entire Yu-Gi-Oh game. He's literally, a, literally an infant in Yu-Gi-Oh. But when he makes certain plays, I literally say that exact line. I could not possibly have come up with that play. Now, sometimes he has moments of brilliance where I'm like, "Well, that was actually really good. I'm surprised you saw that because I saw it. I'm staring at the play, but it's a little complicated." And he'll do it. I get so excited. I get so happy. But there are these plays. And what's, what's great is watching how someone who you, you, you teach someone how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! You're teaching them how to play it on an advanced level. And when they start to get it, they start saying, like, he, he speaks out loud. He'll say things like, uh, I'm thinking about this, but that actually, no, that sounds horrible. And I love that. Like, I love when the bad thoughts, he speaks them out loud. And I, in my head, I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's terrible. But then he'll say, he'll follow it up and say, that's awful. Too. So I, I'm, I'm just like, oh, we're making progress. We're making progress. Yeah, 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 great. yeah. So yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh, even teaching Yu-Gi-Oh is a part of my life. And I even thought about being a coach on Metafy, but you know, that, at this point, that's kind of like one of those memes now that everyone's a Metafy coach and they've all they've ever done is like top two locals and maybe gotten regionals top 64 invite. And now all of a sudden they're charging people <laughs> for coaching on Metafy. It's like a meme, but uh, I think I have enough credentials to actually teach on Metafy. And if I did, it would probably Edison format since I currently play that a lot and I've studied the format yeah. a lot. But yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is great. Yu-Gi-Oh. I started this whole bit off by saying that it has supported me. And when I think about, so when I was sponsored, I got flights because of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like I got flights because of my ability to write about Yu-Gi-Oh! I was literally writing articles and that would get me flown out to the next OYCS. It would get me cars that I needed. Um, and honestly, also just money. Like I, I got like every article I wrote, I was paid for. And but again, buying and selling cards is very lucrative. A lot of my friends are complete entrepreneurs. In fact, my best friend is an entrepreneur who just does Yu-Gi-Oh. Like he literally just does Yu-Gi-Oh buying and selling and supports himself off of it. And a lot of Wait, other people it, that I know. Is it who I'm thinking of? That's not who I'm thinking of, right? There's a couple of them, honestly. Okay. There's, there's a couple okay. of them. There's a well, couple there's of my friends. There's one in particular I'm thinking of. Okay. But... Well, there's a couple of my friends who completely support themselves off of just Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And I'm thinking of Professor X. Right. He's one of them. <laughs> Okay. Professor X is one of them. It's it's just amazing. Like the the amount of money that you can make off this game is it's great. It's great that you can do something that you love because you know, working for someone else, it does have its merits, right? Like I work for a company and you know, it's I'm an accountant for the company and they give me things like health insurance and dental insurance and all of those things, right? Like they if I were to pass away, they, they pay my life insurance to my family. There's all these benefits to it. But at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, I'd much rather, and I've said this on the podcast before, I'd much rather be able to completely support myself doing something that I love, aka like this podcast, 
This is yeah. something that I absolutely love doing. You obviously love doing it as well. You naturally, you're part of the inspiration for the podcast because I was watching you stream on Twitch and I was like, man, this guy, I can't say we grew up together, but this guy who I've known for over a decade is like streaming on Twitch and talking to people who he would not have known otherwise. Like a lot of people on your Twitch, you know, like there are people who you just, they don't live anywhere near us, right? The internet has brought you together and yep. they like your personality clearly because you've been streaming for years and they're still there. And it's really cool to just see how you grew something because you, on a whim, I don't know what made you become a streamer, but like the idea that you started creating content and just stay consistent at it. And then people are willing to watch, you know, and no matter how many people it is, it's like the fact that people in the world take their time and watch what you do is great to me. So that was like, man, that's, that's really cool. It's something that I kind of want to do, but just in a different medium, like podcast, like podcasting is really cool. Cause I, I talk a lot. As you guys know, I talk forever. I think, you know, the, the stream that I've done for a long time has been really cool, but, um, but you know, it's, it's really cool. Cause I've met and I know a lot of people from all over the country and all over the world. There was people that watched my stream. They don't really watch anymore, but it's understandable why they um don't watch because they literally like I remember there was a guy from Israel that was watching my stream like every day. Yeah. And I don't even know what the fucking time zone in Israel is, Me, but I know it's I not no my fucking time zone. But he was watching my stream like every day and he kind of fell off because like to be fair, he I think he just it's the opposite time. Um yeah. but the point is I met and talked to a lot of people from Canada. Like I have a lot of Canadian friends and I didn't really know anybody from Canada before I started streaming. And I have a lot of Canadian friends and, um, and Dale Belito, a friend of the podcast. <laughs> Dale Belito. Yeah. Also Yu-Gi-Oh player. Also some of my Canadian friends also play Yu-Gi-Oh. Like I've, I've played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh, not, a, not as much as other games. But I have played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh on stream. Like I played, um, I think it's called legacy of the duelist. It's the switch game, whatever, whatever Yu-Gi-Oh game. Okay. On the switch. okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, but I played that a lot on stream and like, I played some other people that had it. It's a, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. Streaming's really cool. Um, and it because I did that for so long is why I was so confident and excited to then get into doing the podcast with Frazier. Um, and then, you know, all the other history we have. Yeah, like I said, we naturally talk forever. Like when we have normal conversations uh, about nerd shit, we'll just talk about one piece. And that shit can go for literally three hours without us realizing it. We yeah. will talk for three hours straight about one topic and then it will just go all over the place just like this podcast it just goes all everywhere and that's the great yeah. thing about it it just kind of goes everywhere something you, you mentioned though something, yeah, mentioned. something you mentioned was uh the the video games the Yu-Gi-Oh video games were also a big part of my life too when i was a kid forbidden memories i remember playing that sacred Dude, cards one of one of our friends uh used to always tell me what was the fucking rose Duelist, oh, Duelist of the Roses. Rose. Oh my god, that Dude, game is amazing. He, I, so I never really played it, yeah. but I know he fucking used to talk about that game all the it time. It is one of the best, best Yu-Gi-Oh games. Bro, yeah. you like strategy games? Kenny, I implore yeah, you yeah. one day. That, I'm, I'm sure you can get I've on heard, PC. I've heard. Kenny, I, uh, stream that shit. I will be there. Oh my god. <laughs> Duelist of the Roses, because it's a strategy-based strategy Yu-Gi-Oh game. And when I tell you that it is the coolest shit you will ever, it's so fucking cool, bro. And it's so addictive. It's so outrageously addictive. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to like it. I just, I've never, just never played it. Duel Set of Roses, because of how well you play strategy games, I think that you will love Duel Set of Roses. I forgot that it's actually, like, it's kind of a strategy RPG. It's so good, though. Oh, my God. It takes one of the best things we like, Yu-Gi-Oh! 
and then it takes the strategy aspect and you're on this grid, like a board where you move around, you move your cards around literally. And you can do all of these cool things and assemble, like you can assemble Exodia and FINAL, all types of stuff. But yeah, the game, that game is phenomenal. But I was just saying in general, when I was growing up, the Yu-Gi-Oh games, Sacred Cards, Reshef of Destruction, I think it was called, uh, Forbidden Memories. Uh, there was a ton of them. Forbidden Memories is so funny because that game is so bad. Yes, but it's all of them. such a classic. All of them are, are zany in the sense that we know what the cards do in real life. And then we know what they do in the games and they, they yeah. are nothing alike. They are nothing alike in the game. Reflect bounder will kill your whole field and deal life points equal to each monster's attack. Like it, there's great blast held by tribute literally is just GG. No re like there's certain cards. If you summon obelisk, it's game that turn. He his it's an effect that he just does 4,000 damage. And I think you only have 4,000 or something crazy like that. It, it was just an absurd fun time i loved that game i love all I of them i played the most the two Yu-Gi-Oh games i played the most were on the ds one was called nightmare troubadour or nightmare troubadour yeah, nightmare troubadour i forgot about that one i played false bound kingdom as well maybe the other one was on the 3ds but i also played this was like 5d's era and i think it was like 2010 world championship is what it was called or something like that okay yeah i think I, so i've only ever played this is another thing about me i actually don't really care for Yu-Gi-Oh shows or anime past the original series. I watched GX, but I never really liked GX. I think I was watching it because it is. So it's, it's kind of how I feel about Smash Bros. Brawl. It's like it came after yeah, a very yeah, yeah, good yeah. game. So you stick with it for a while, hoping to God that it gets better. And then it, it kind of just doesn't. So yeah. you just kind of, and that's, this is me personally. Like I know people love GX. It just wasn't for me. I never liked heroes. Again, I'm a, I like villains. I like dark things. So Yami like the whole Yami Yugi thing that resonated with me, Merrick, uh, Bakura, like the really dark storyline that Yu-Gi-Oh had from that original season. Like Pegasus stole someone's fucking grandfather and brother and put trapped their souls inside yeah. of cards and told them that unless you run my fade, you won't be seeing your loved ones ever again. Like that is insane. I, and so I like the original series a lot. And so uh, go ahead. I'll say this about GX. Um, I think the show at least in English. People tell me all the time in Japanese it's amazing. At least in English, GX is fucking terrible. Okay, I, I thought it was just me, maybe, because I really hate it. No, it's bad. Like, when I grew up watch, like when I grew up and it was on, like I stopped watching the anime because of GX. I yeah, like, this me, is terrible. Me, me too, actually. But I will say this. I remember in like 2017, 2018, for some reason, I'd like, I think I'd just gotten Hulu. And I, w- I went through all of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, I had original Yu-Gi-Oh! 1, they had it all on Hulu. And then after that, I put on GX, and I legit felt super nostalgic. Like, it was still bad, but, like, I was super nostalgic watching it. And I was like, oh, this is sick. And, like, I wasn't actively watching it. I was on my computer doing other stuff. Yeah. But I had a really good time having GX on, and, like, that stupid-ass... Game on! <laughs> Get game your game on! on. Like, yeah. Slifer Red, it was so, Obelisk. I like that there was, was so shitty, but, like... I don't know. I enjoy it. It, it. it made me feel really nostalgic, like 2018 or whatever it was. I like, really like the classism in that show. That show immediately established like the idea of looking down on people because they have less it to really do. Did. You're a fucking nasty sniper. And there was red. colorism. It was like you're red. Yeah, like you're a nasty ass slifer red. We used to say, and I'm I'm all, I'm also joking by the way. So if you can't catch my sarcasm through tone, I'm smiling and laughing right now as I'm talking to Kenny, but uh, I don't actually support classism literally, but I think it's funny that in this fucking anime, 
it was like if you wore a slifer red jacket, you were considered scum, and if you were obelisk blue, you were like the creme of the creme, like creme de la creme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I love. I also love like how blatant it is. Like this is Kaiba's card that's the best. Yes, and this is Yugi's card that's crap. Yeah, it's it's just insane how they had that whole thing. So when I was younger, a teenager, and GX was airing, I remember, uh, you know, that's how people refer to like, oh, you're a fucking Slifer Red. Like, as an insult. Like, that would be an insult to someone. Be like, yeah, you, you would be in Slifer Red. And they'd be like, well, Fraser would be in Obelisk Blue for sure. He's cutthroat as fuck. And I'm like, yeah, well, it is what it is. Like, I want to win. And by cutthroat, I mean just like, so as you guys know, in my famous Billy Break match, like, I don't like people taking back moves. I don't like that. Some people are like, oh, yeah, you could take it back. If I flew here, Bro, if I flew to Texas to play an oh, event, God, I, I live in Philadelphia. I live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If I flew to fucking Dallas, Texas to play in a Yu-Gi-Oh event, I got a hotel and a plane ride, and I don't care who paid for it. The fact that that's equity that could have been in my pocket, and it had to be used towards that. So if I did all of those things, built a deck, tested, and I got to a tournament, and somebody fucked up in front of me, guess what? I'm not letting you take it back. I don't give a fuck how y'all feel about that. Like, that is just one of those things I stand on. It's so weird that people are like, that people are like, oh, you should, like, I don't know. Because, okay, put it this way, right? If you play chess, and I feel like chess and Yu-Gi-Oh are similar, like, you play chess, like, if you touch the piece and move, like, you don't get the, oh, I didn't mean to move that piece. Like, I mean, you move the piece. I don't know what to tell you. you. I don't know what to tell you, like. So for me, and not even just that one particular instance, that one famous feature match, just in general, I think I've never been a person who enjoys people taking moves back. I think it's one thing if you're testing, right? So in testing, I do it all the time. I tell people, we're testing. I want you to make the best move possible, or I'm going to change this because we're testing. We're trying to figure out how to play correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't expect that from all of your opponents in a tournament. And because you can't expect it from all of them, I expect it from none of them. And yeah, because I think in testing the whole, either. the whole point, like testing, it's interesting because testing isn't, I mean, it is, okay. I was going to say testing isn't testing. It's just the different word of the word test. But like when you're testing, you're studying. Yeah. And then when you go to the tournament, that's the test and there's yeah. no taking it back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you I go to the tournament, there's no taking Like now I'm playing you and all of the testing, all of the studying I did, it was for this moment. So if I fuck up, that's on me. If you fuck up, that's on you. You're not taking it back because I know you're not going to let me take it back. That's and honestly, thing. even if you did let me take it back, I'm still not letting you take it back. So that's one of the things that always got to me too. I've seen this happen to so many people in Yu-Gi-Oh matches uh, where somebody will do something wrong. Their opponent will allow them to take it back. Later in the game, the other person will fuck up. And when it's their time to try to get the favor back, the person will just say no. Yeah. And that to me... That would enrage me to know, like, people haven't really seen me super angry like that, but that particular situation, if I trusted somebody, like, oh, I'll let you take it back, but, you know, if it happens to me, like, just look out for me, too. And they just were like, absolutely fucking not, you can't take it back, and now there's judges watching, so, like, there's, you know, nothing you can really do about it, it's gonna sound like you're trying to bribe them or something at that point, or collude. It would just, yeah. it would just enrage me, and I've I've literally seen it happen. I remember, I've played Yu-Gi-Oh! for at least 20 years now. Like, it's it's getting to the 20 year mark for me as far as how long I've may- maybe not necessarily played, but just been around and known about Yu-Gi-Oh. So I've seen yeah. a lot guys. I've seen a ton. And in my life, in the thousands upon thousands of duels that I've witnessed, I've seen people blatantly allow their opponent to take something back and their opponent in the same match. Won't let them do the same. And it costs the person who was nice the game. So I've always just been like, okay, you know what to just 
to just get rid of that entire like situation from ever occurring i just won't do take backs period and i won't ever ask somebody if i can take something back i've made misplays i've made really bad misplays i made misplays in feature matches i made misplays outside of feature matches i made misplays that have got me eliminated from topping tournaments on the bubble i made all kinds of misplays misplays that literally if i change one thing i top this event now and i add to my whole re uh, resume i've made savage misplays that if my opponent were just like you know what you can fix that I would have won the entire game. And guess what? I don't even ask. I see yeah, my, yeah. I, I made the play. And then in my head, I'm like, holy shit, I just fucked up. And I'll be like, you know what? That's game. I put my hand, I put my hand out. I'll shake. I'll just shake on it. Like yeah, yeah. for me, like, that's, what you, that's what you gotta do, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could try to like, I guess you could try to scum your way out and be like, oh, and then what, you know what I mean? Like, I guess you could do that. And like, you'd have more tops, but I don't know. Yeah. It just, it just never hasn't worked. Like you will just not hear me asking, can I take something back? Awkward. Yeah. I just don't ask. Now I've had people say, for example, when I play against someone and let's say a card is like kind of new uh, and we don't really know what it does. And then there'll be instances where it's like, oh, you know, if you don't want to do that because this does this and I didn't say that or whatever, then it's like, okay, that's that's slightly different. But even even then, I still think it's your responsibility to read the card completely. And it does suck when new cards come out and you don't fully understand them, but it is what it is. You still have to do your homework. Like it's just yeah, part I've, of the game. I've been in tournaments where but like I've been I've been in situations where like something will happen and I'll try to respond to it in a way and then it doesn't work. I'm like, oh well, I didn't I didn't know that it worked like that. Right. And then the person would be like, well, you can just take it back. And I'm like, all right, cool. And like, I would. And then like, some people would say like, oh, well, and then I've also been in situations where it's like, I've been in situations where I would play a card. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, I didn't realize it didn't work that way. And then like, you could take it back. And I'm like, and I would blatantly say like, no, it's all right. Like I shouldn't, like, I should have known that. And yeah. Then, like, for example, one of the biggest ones at Land, I remember we were playing Malefic Stardust Dragon and people tried to dust tornado this card, like my Necro Valley while that was on the field so often. That happened at least three or three of the rounds. I've had people try to MST or Dust Tornado, Necro Valley, blatantly in games two and three while Malefic Stardust Dragon was on the field. After I summoned it, they pick it up, they read it, they put it back on my side of the field, they draw their card for turn, and they immediately try to get rid of my Necro Valley. And then I stare at them and I don't say anything. They'll be like, MST, and I'll be like, that's fine. And then they'll be like, then they pick up the Malefic Stardust again, they read it again, and they'll be like, oh, fuck. The good thing is at that, I remember at that YCS, no one tried to like, oh, I'm not going to play it because the thing is, and here's what I wanted to get to. The thing about that is you can legally make that play. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can legally try to destroy it. It just cannot be destroyed while Malefic starts on the field. Like, it just doesn't go anywhere, but you can target it for destruction and everything. You can do anything to it. It just, nothing happens. It's like you can play dark hole if a monster's on the field and it isn't affected by dark hole. Right, like if you had, I guess, yeah, horse, yeah, yeah, horse yeah. level sixes on the field, you can activate Dark Hole. There's a monster on the field, but it just won't be affected by it. I'm pretty sure you can do that. And if you can't, then we're talking about a different situation anyway. But Malefic Stardust Dragon, in the case of Dust Dragon MST, I remember people trying to do that. I remember one guy did call a judge just to confirm that, like, you know, there was nothing he could do about that, and that it was a legal play. And the judge was like, yeah, you can legally make that play. It's just that it doesn't do anything. And that's a situation where I could say, I could be nice and be like, hey, you can take it back. You can keep your MST. But I just look at them. I just fucking look at yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's because different. at the end of the day, like I don't know, you're trying to win, and like they read the card. Yeah, and it's different if if they legally cannot MST it, right? Like if yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine if it said field spells cannot be targeted by spells and traps. 
then like, okay, that's different. You tried to play MST on my Necro Valley. You literally cannot do that. That is an illegal move. Yeah, and that's when that's when you go like, that's when like there's even situations where that person might be like, ah, oh, fuck, and like they'll leave their MST in the graveyard, and then you would be like, well, no, actually, the MST is still in your hand. Yeah, like you, you can't can't activate it. Yeah, like you can't just throw your MST away. You can't MST nothing. You know what I mean? Like you can't just do that. Now, if you know, some people are more cutthroat than I am. Some people will be like, well, you played MST. And you have a spell of trap on the field, so you have to MST your own card. Now that's just like that's so that is so sad. That isn't that crazy? I've I've seen it. I've seen stuff like I've that. I've seen it. You know what I've you know, seen it too. You know what I've seen is not even necessarily the players. It'll be like a judge that's watching. Like you'll there'll be like a judge watching, and they'll see something like that happen, and it'll be like, well, you can play that MST. You just can't target what you target it. So you have to target your own card. It's like, God damn. Like, man, you might like just uh, just yeah that those are rough like that's really rough um but yeah Yu-Gi-Oh has been by and large some of the best thing one of the best things that ever happened to me as far as again all the i think about all the stories all the great stories that have come out of Yu-Gi-Oh all of the all of the times where we're rooting for somebody to win and they actually win uh we're rooting for somebody to lose and they scrub out and we we make fun of them for always losing on the bubble or always not winning in top cut just there's there's a lot of fun things that have come out of it obviously you know all kinds of toxic shit too it's a community it's we're humans so there's all types of crazy stuff that comes out of Yu-Gi-Oh too but i think overall the game has brought a lot of good shit to the world and to the people who play it and yeah, yeah we I just mean, in general we appreciate it i really do miss like i really do miss those local days where yeah. you'd be at a local all day like for example like i was thinking about this with monster hunter rise sunbreak right like how dope would it be to like go to Red Cap and like a bunch of people sitting in a, like sitting around playing Monster Hunter yeah. Rise Sunbreak? You know what I mean? Like that would actually be, like an actual guild, a gathering hub. Like that'd be yeah, it'd be so sick. Um, yeah, that actually would be a really fun thing. I didn't even think about that, but I would meet new people the same way if that existed. Like think about it's so crazy that you because Yu Gi Oh exists and card stores I guess exist too, right? Because those two things exist. We're naturally able to meet people that we normally wouldn't. Whereas I can play with someone random on Monster Hunter today, tonight. Yeah, yeah, but you won't like know them. I won't know them. I won't meet them. Even if they, even if I play with them on Monster Hunter World, where we can speak to each other, right? Like we can hear each other speak and everything. We still don't really know each other. And after the hunt is older, after the hunt is over, we won't really know each other at all either. It's just kind of like, oh, I met this yeah. guy. He fought pretty well, but that's pretty much as far as it goes. Whereas when you're forced to be in a room with somebody for four or five rounds, even if you kind of are an introvert, you will get brought out your show. I think everyone at my locals who's an introvert is just openly themselves now and happy to be there and talks and everything. Like, we don't have anyone who's kind of, like, in a corner at locals. Yeah, because you guys all know each other. Like, you're all... Yeah, we see each other so often. all this one group of friends, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a big family. The best... Even, like, for example... A great example is like our friend Gary, right? Yep. Gary's about as introverted as they come. He is but like, the most introverted. But like he is, he's like pretty funny. Or like when he's around like yes. his friends, yes. like he's got shit to say. You he know does. what I mean? He does. <laughs> he's actually a full person when he's around people that he knows. And yeah, he's, yeah. He's actually like, one of the funnest people to be around. He's hilarious. He says a lot of mean things. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and it's great though. I, I love his personality. Like when he's around people that he actually knows, aka Yu-Gi-Oh players and other anime weebs and stuff like that. Yeah, it brings out the best in all of us. And then when we're, I've been with Gary and in areas where, 
you know, there are no Yu-Gi-Oh players around and there's no nerds around and he is completely silent the entire time. And yeah, I'm, the, yeah. I'm the same exact way. I might be a, a little bit better, but at the end of the day, I'm super introverted around people I don't know. That's just how I am. But yes, I was going to say, you said the word family and it really is like that too. I think every locals is a family. Like I, I remember this is, this is how crazy it gets. So I remember Alex Flamer, right? He's a you know, support of the podcast. Shout out to Alex. And, uh, Somebody who I've known for a very long time now. I've known him for a very, very long time. Almost yeah, half Alex my life. Smith. Yeah. I've known Alex for almost half my life now. And uh, I remember people would pick on Alex, right, at our locals. And, you know, we'd be like, yo, chill on him, whatever, like that. And then there would be times where people who don't go to our local would try to pick on Alex. People who are, like, yep. from out of state yep. or something. And we'd be like, absolutely not. Yep. Like, absolutely. Like, Alex is one of ours. You will not do that. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you will not just make fun of this kid at all. Like, granted, it's not okay for anyone to make fun of anyone, despite if you go to the same local or not. But what, what people really would not stand for, and I love this about just the different Yu-Gi-Oh communities, is that if somebody tried to pick on anybody, not even just him in particular, like, not to single him out, but just, like, anyone, honestly. If anyone yeah. got picked on by anyone from outside of our local community, it's like, yo, the entire local will stand up for that person. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, even though, like you said, it's not even if it's not good to bully anyone, but to give a little bit of context at Red Cap or at our local or whatever, like, everybody kind of made fun of everybody, right? Everybody had a nickname. So everybody got ribbed on. That is actually I, correct. I'm glad you said that because I kind of forgot. But that is the case. Everyone yeah. at locals, it wasn't even just like one particular person, just that everyone takes it differently, right? So, like, yeah, some, yeah. some people deal so with like, it in different yeah, ways. Yeah, some people, like, ribbed on Alex. Um, but, but I, I was, people got ribbed on. Everyone. I got ribbed on for being like Everyone. one of two white people. Yes. <laughs> Literally one, one of two white Yu-Gi-Oh players in the entire local. <laughs> it was crazy. It's crazy. That's a thing. But like, that's, yeah, that was real. Everyone else was black and then it was you. Yeah. I was Tom Cruise. <laughs> it was great. It's fucking great. Oh man. But, uh, but yeah, like, so, but what you said is true. Cause if somebody else from some other local or some other state try to like talk shit on whether it be Alex or anybody else, yeah. it, like nobody stood for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, like, yeah, yeah like, the, like chill on him. He, he's one of ours, like chill on him. So I really like that too. Like we've gotten to the point where the nerds kind of band together and rise up against anybody who tries to come at us. And that's also nice. It's a nice feeling of being at your local or being at a regional. And you know that there's like, 30 people from your local at the regional. Like, that feels really nice. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not, you know, no one wants to fight or anything like that, but it just feels really nice that you just see so many faces that you see all the time, but now they're all here, and you're surrounded by hundreds of other players, even at YCSs. Like, people make fun of me. This is one of the things that people make fun of me for the most. It's so, uh, I love it. But whenever I go to a YCS or, or any kind of event with thousands of players, all of my real friends act so ignorant towards me. They're like, uh-oh, where do I see us? That means Frazier can't talk to us anymore. <laughs> and they, they start <laughs> fucking with me the entire weekend. Like, if I try to walk up to them, they're like, oh, you're talking to us? And I'm just like, bro, like, relax. They're like, no, I know you're your YCS champion friends now. Like, you, you're too good to talk to us. <laughs> they do this to me every event. Or they'd be like, oh my god, is that Frazier Smith? And the whole time, I was uh, like... Dude, I, I love doing that. <laughs> I love just being like, holy shit. Can I, your Fraser, can I have your autograph? I like, hate all of y'all. 
I used to love doing that. I like, hated that so much. I would laugh at it, but and, and I'm like cringing on the inside because I'm like, Jesus. Like I know I know all of you guys. Like you guys are my friends. And I, I used just, to love I remember one time, me and Cairo, this was like at a local. It's probably happened so many times, there's no way you remember that. But it was like there was like a group of people talking to you. And like I knew <laughs> like you didn't know who the fuck they were. But it was just like a group of people talking to you. And like you could tell they were like fans or whatever and uh-huh. me and Cairo just walk up and we'd like interrupt the group we're like oh my god it's Fraser Smith and we're being so loud and obnoxious and we're like dude it's Fraser Smith and then like I turned the Cairo I was like didn't he sleep at your house one time and he's like yeah and he's like I hate y'all so much I've gotten that that's happened to me so many times it's so embarrassing like if I was white I'd be blushing I get so <laughs> embarrassed every time my friends do that to me I'll be talking to someone who obviously I do not know and we'll just be having a conversation, and then some, one of my friends will come and be like, oh my god, is that, is that Fraser Smith? And I'm like, please don't do this. And they just keep going. But I think my, the funnest one was, I literally, so, one of my closest friends, as far, like, one of my closest friends as far as when I was playing competitively, Yu-Gi-Oh! is the Jersey crew. I, like, all of them. The entire Jersey crew. So, like, Nick Ma, Brian Pham, who I've never beaten before, uh, David Barnes, like, there's a ton of them. Uh, Kevin Rubio, Money Smith, Eric... You guys all know who you are. Meatball. Like, there's a ton of the Jersey crew, and I love you all. There would be times when I would go to an event. There would be my there would be my ride to an event. We would literally get hotel together, you know, pay gas together, do everything together. We would walk into the event, and they're like, "All right, Fraser, I know you can't talk to us now, so bye." And they would turn and walk <laughs> away from me, and like they'd be dead ass though, but in a funny way. But I'm just like, yo, like it's <laughs> not, it is not like that. And then what's so funny about it is that unintentionally the entire weekend we won't talk and then on sunday when it's time to go back home and get my ride i like come up to them like oh you're back you must be you must be done with your uh your ycs friends and they're just like they're like you must be ready to go home and it's just oh, great it's man. so good I, I it's it's one of the ongoing jokes and it still persists today even though like now it's even more cringe because it's like i don't i am so far removed from the like the ego of Yu-Gi-Oh that i used to have because naturally you know, being in my young 20s, I won a YCS when I was 20 years old. And uh, I'll just tell you right now, if you don't know, being 20 years old is your brain is definitely not developing yet. Very egotistical, especially 20 year old male. So the person that I was, you know, that decade plus ago is not the person who I am today. So now, like, I don't really care about any of that stuff. My friends still do the exact same thing to me. And it's just it's just like even more cringe now when they do that, because I'm just like, I don't care about any like all the tops and all that stuff like that stuff doesn't mean anything to me anyways it means something to me in a sense that like i'm so glad that i've had those experiences but i don't look at it as like oh i'm this great mighty person yeah 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 yeah. i'm not some great person because i've topped a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh events or whatever like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything out you know in a a regular world i always say like you just have to treat people good regardless of how many tops they have right and that's one of the things that i I really wish that more Yu-Gi-Oh players would realize half the reason i used to do that though is because real shit, there are people that would walk up to me and like almost be a f- like stand at me because yeah. they'd be like, "Wait, you're friends with Fraser?" <laughs> and they'd be like, "Fraser slept at your house." <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I stayed at his house for literally a month. Like, yeah, it's we not played, a big deal. We played Naruto yesterday. I, I spend a night at his house all the time. We literally play games until three a.m. and then we wake up and do it again. You had fans, man. You had fans. You had fans so hard that I felt like I was famous. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yu-Gi-Oh has some again great times. I've uh, 
yeah, I've made a lot of friends throughout the game. And it's, it's the, I think one of the craziest and coolest things is that, like I said, you meet people from all over the world. But it legitimately got to a point in my life where people from California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, Utah, Seattle, all over, right? Even people from the UK and Canada, I would see them twice a month. Yeah, yeah. Shit which like is, that's really cool. Which is actually a lot. And it started to get to a point where like, you're just so used to seeing this person who lives thousands of miles away from you. Yeah. Like this guy literally lives in California and that is six hour flight away from where I live, but where we see each other almost every weekend. Like there was, there, there was a YCS, there was two YCS a month. So literally twice a month for several days of a week, we're just together. That's such a, that's such a cool thing, man, because like you guys are both playing this game. And so you're all tr- so you end up traveling to a lot of different states or, or countries or whatever. Right. And then so, yeah, you get to see a bunch of people that live nowhere near each other. There's no way they could possibly hang out and be normal friends. Right. They get to see each other twice a week, which for real, for real is more than some real friends see each other. Yes. Or not twice a week. I'm sorry. Twice a month. Yeah, but it, you're right, though. It is especially now that we're older, it's much harder to cor- correlate with friends and just kind of uh, schedule time to be together. Like we don't get together as much yeah. as we used to when we were younger. Uh, now we have to like schedule that shit. Everyone has to make sure that they take off or figure out. It yeah, has yeah, to be like yeah. Thanksgiving thank weekend. God, thank God for shit like Discord, yo. Yes, thank God it br- it brings us all together. But yeah, you're right. I started to see the Yu-Gi-Oh players who really are my friends. I started to see them more than I would see my friends who live in Philly. Yeah. Which is crazy. I'm like, I see these people. So when we would fly to YCSs, we'd be there from sometimes Thursday to Monday, sometimes Friday to Monday, but that's still like four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Like we're together that entire span, four days straight. And then that happens twice a month. So it's eight days out of the month. I I'm seeing these people from nowhere near me. And again, I wouldn't even see my best friends that often. So it's just kind of crazy that that was, the power of Yu-Gi-Oh! Again, there's just the game is that good that it brings people together that much. And there's nothing like honestly, there's nothing like scrubbing a tournament. Like you scrub YC, you you prep, you prep so fucking hard, you test so hard, you're out by round four, and you know what? It's time to go drink. It is time to gather up the other people who went O2 drop or went uh one two, and they're like, fuck it, I'm not gonna even try to grind out the next nine rounds of Swiss or whatever it is. I'm gonna drop now, save myself some peace, and just have fun this weekend. And yep. I've been there many times and, and those have been some of the best events where my one friend who basically was never competitive, but he some for some strange reason would go to like almost every tournament. And I just thought that shit was so funny because I after about five years of it, I said, uh, I just noticed something every time we go to a YCS together and you're pretty much at all of them. I have never seen you actually duel. <laughs> I was like, we've gone years. It's been I've known you for years. And I have never in my life seen you fucking play this game. I know that you play. You you carry around a book bag like all of us, but you're an imposter. Like you carry around a book you're bag. An imposter. You carry around a book bag. You have a deck, and you sign up. Like your name. I look. I look because I find your table. I go to the pairings after I'm done my round. I go to the pairings. I find your table, but you're never there. You always finish before me. Always. Now, granted, I'm not the fastest player in the world, but still, some matches I do win two zero quick, and I still never see you play. Yo. You know what you reminded me of when you said backpack? Do you remember? It was so fucking popular in the Yu-Gi-Oh community for like three years, maybe longer. But like the Kid Robot backpacks. Oh my god, I still have one. And mine has a whole. You remember that? But yes, Kid Robot was huge. 
That got so popular in the Yu-Gi-Oh community for some amount of time. I think that it was because of Adam Korn. Now it could it could be it could go farther back than that, but I'm gonna I'm going to give Adam Korn the credit for popularizing a couple things actually. So the red and white calculator case that is a lot of money now, and it was a lot of money back then too. It's like over a hundred dollars, which is a lot for a calculator case because it's literally just a fucking calculator case. But uh so that uh, I will give him credit for it. And I will also give him credit for K robot backpacks because for whatever reason after if my, he was the best player in the world at the time. So everything that he did, the community, I guess will try to emulate. And one of them was those backpacks. And I was one of the people, I was one of his biggest fans and uh, <laughs> I was one of his biggest fans and I bought a K robot backpack. Actually, I don't even think I bought it. I think that my friend Meatball got me the backpack for my birthday and they're extremely hard to get. Uh, even I, I don't know what happened to the brand now, but I still actually randomly was looking for something else, and I found it in my room, like buried in my closet somewhere. And I found the my kid robot, kid robot backpack, and it has this huge hole at the bottom. It just needs to be kind of sewn shut, but it's still usable. Yeah, like, there's yeah. nothing wrong. It just needs to be re-sewn. But I used to carry so many binders and duck boxes that it just weighed. It's too. It weighs too much. But yes, yeah, for sure, kid robot was huge. If you remember that era that Kenny's talking about, where that shit had us in a chokehold, there was a three. Yeah, period. actually. If- if anybody listening, remember, like, I really want to hear, I just want to hear people's, like, input or memories, because it's one of those weird things where, like, there really was a time when, like, almost synonymous with Yu-Gi-Oh! was, like, people talking about kid robot backpacks. Yes, yeah. it is because Yu-Gi-Oh! players, so I guess because we're all nerds, we're all collectors to some degree, even the most competitive of us, who do not collect a lot, but they just, they just get their deck, right? Some people just get their deck, they don't give a fuck about having a binder, per se. They just get their deck. Uh, even the most competitive of us, of us, we still like cool things. So me, who, uh, yeah, I've, I've had some time where I collected cards and stuff like that. But for the most part, I'm, I'm a player. Like, I'm a duelist at heart. So collecting cards has never really been my thing. Like, I'm not after a first edition Dark Magician Girl from Magician's Force. Like, that, that, that would be cool to have. But every time I've had that card, I've sold it. And, you know, mm-hmm. mistakes were made. But, you know, everyone who's ever sold a card before 2020, mistakes were made. Yeah, it's never spoken to me, but like Kit Robot, Spellground Mats, Calculator Cases, I've liked all of those things. I've been a part of all of those trends, all of those bandwagons. And even when I came back to playing Edison Format, the first thing I did was drop $1,000 on a 1994 Spellground, like immediately. It was the first thing. Week one of me coming back to Edison Format, when I realized I'm really going to play this game again, I got back from my trip and I was like, you know what? I need to find out who has a Spellground Mat for me because I'm not playing on regular mats. And I got a spell ground. And now it's really cool because we have my one friend Saul at Dabber's Gaming Cafe. Uh, he has a company called Dank Ritual. And they were nice enough to send me a double deck box and a cloth play mat, which I use at locals on Thursdays. And people keep asking me about the deck box. I have this huge pink double deck box from Dank Ritual. It's so fucking cool. And I genuinely like it. So me, when I get a deck box and I like it, I keep it for years. Like I use the same duck box for so long that people start to kind of equate the duck box with me. Like there was a period where I had a double duck box a long time ago in like 2011 and everyone just knew like I was one of the few people who had that duck box, if not the only person who had it just because somebody from Japan had given it to me. It was like the only one they had. And I like that type of stuff. I like collecting cool shit. I like having nice dual setups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I guess that's what it is. Like when I duel, I like when you pull out all your stuff and you get your, 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 you know, your whole station set up to duel <laughs> you got all your shit now when i pull out my calculator case people see i pull out the uh the uds medals 
have this gigantic metal thing that's like a weapon. I think it's a lanyard type of thing, uh, some kind of card holder, but it's huge and it's heavy and it's in my calculator case. And people always comment on it when they've never seen me play before in a while. And yeah, I just like, I like all that stuff. So Kid Robot, yeah, that was, that was really, really big back in the day. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh swag. Was definitely part of the Yu-Gi-Oh swag era. Yeah. There's so much to say about, yeah, there's this, Yu-Gi-Oh is just, it's great. Like, honestly, the period where I wasn't playing Yu-Gi-Oh, it, I'm trying to think about what I was even doing. Like, yes, I was watching anime stuff, I was playing video games, but outside of that, it's like almost a blur to me now that I'm back. Like, when it was happening, I remember thinking to myself, I'm very happy that I'm no longer playing the game because I remember the stress of competing. Because for somebody like me who wants to do well often, there's a lot of stress associated with preparing for an event. You're constantly in a state of like, you got to make time to test. You have to make time to uh, try to figure out what other people are going to play, like get a feel for the meta, they call it. And it's just a lot. There's a lot that goes into being at the top of the game. And yeah, it just takes a lot out of you. So when you're, when I finally stepped back from that, I think that the best thing for me was just getting a bit of peace of mind. Like my mental got to relax. So, yeah. But even still, I'll always have like a special place in my heart for the game. Even if uh, I stop playing Edison format, like I'll still always love Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it's just all the things that was given to me. My friends, this podcast. I've said this before. I cannot wait for the next time it rains on a Thursday. Because I don't work if it rains. I need it to like rain rain. I mean, I guess it'll suck because it'll be raining, but because I want to go, I want to go back up to AU. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be great too because now we have Monster Hunter, and I bring my Switch with me to AU. So you yeah. know, in between rounds or like, God forbid, we both scrub out somehow or whatever, <laughs> just play Monster Hunter. Like I, legitimately, and X plays too, right? So like X plays, Gus yep, plays. Yep. There's actually a, a good amount of people now that I think about it that actually play Monster Hunter at our locals. But yeah, like between Yu-Gi-Oh, between Monster Hunter, Gathering yeah, Hub. We got a little gathering hub going on. Uh, what else did I want to say? There was something else I wanted to talk about. So, <laughs> I know we've gone all over the place in this episode, oh, but oh, we have. this is just the nature of, you know, Hughes. One of the other things that's great about the game and just what Kazuki Takahashi has created is opening packs. I think that that shit is one of the funnest things you could possibly do in life. And I think that people who have never opened packs before... You need to go out and buy a booster box and see what it feels like to just sit down and start cracking packs open. I, I got it. It's also savagely depressing. Okay, it's, is that it, is it, that too? But before <laughs> but before it's depressing, it's great. It's so exciting, but like for it's so depressing. <laughs> it's the when you get the when you get like the juice, it's amazing. You know what it's like? It's like fucking melding in Monster Hunter Rise. It is like melding. <laughs> It's the RNG. So at my locals, I just posted the status recently on Facebook, but I got 18 packs the last time I went to locals on Thursday night for playing Edison format. And people are always like, oh, open them, open them, open them. But I always like to take my packs home. I never open my packs in front of everyone because at my local, people are savages. And what they do is when people open packs, everyone surrounds them and starts opening their packs for them. And like, oh, you got shit. You got nothing. And they just like throw it and they walk away. So like they get, they get the fun. They get all the fun out of opening you. They literally open your packs like un, like uninvited. They open your packs. And I don't really care for that. You know, it's not a big deal, but I kind of just like opening all of my packs on my own. Mm-hmm. So I never open them at the store. I take all my packs and put them in my bag. People bag, bag, bag. Oh, let me get one. Let me get one. Let me just open one. I'm like, nope. I take them all. T- I take them all home. And what I do is I'll watch a show 
like I'll watch Game of Thrones or something. And as the recap is happening at the start of the episode, I'll sit on my bed, I'll lay out my spellground mat, and I'll just slowly open my packs one by one as like a show is playing. And I don't know why, but I fucking love that. Like I just love yeah. that. Even if I get nothing, Grant Kratos has been very, very mean to me this <laughs> this whole year. But like, you know, even still, even with all the things that have happened, uh, as far as me not really packing anything too crazy, like I haven't packed a Starlight Rare yet. Still waiting on that day, but I have packed like two ultimate rares from my uh what are they called? Not turbo packs, but champion packs or whatever whatever they're called now. I've packed two ultis out of those and a lot of secret rares out of the the packs. But I still haven't packed the Starlight Rare in my life. So that has eluded me because that rarity came out when I quit. And now that I'm playing again, I, I get packs that have that rarity. So that's something that I'm still looking forward to. But just the feeling of every time I open a pack, like the chance of getting something crazy. I don't I miss that like that. I miss. And I'm glad that I can experience that again now that I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh again. So, yeah, opening packs is, is a great thing that Yu-Gi-Oh to Yu-Gi-Oh has to offer. It's just gambling. It's literally gambling. I guess the good thing is uh, I've never had to really buy packs like I am the type of person who I use either store credit when I used to play or I just have like a sponsor or something. But as far as paying for actual packs, I'm just like, Ugh, it doesn't make it as fun. I like winning them. I like playing at locals and either winning packs or building up store credit so that I can just get the singles I want. But yeah, I do still love opening packs. It's just fun. It's just one of the funnest things. Spending money on packs can be tough, but it, it's still fun sometimes. I just want to say real quick, for those of you that have been following the Mr. Potato Head story, right now in my fucking earphone, he's so loud and he's literally just saying, bacon, 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 <laughs> ear bacon, I smell crispy bacon, bacon, bacon. And that's literally all he's doing. He's a looney tune. He's an absolute looney tune. Oh, like, I want nothing more. Can you describe just what this guy looks like. Okay, so for people who don't know, I'm just going to give you a little insight on what's happening. So for the last several months now, there's this guy that lives very close to Kenny. And when we record the podcast, this guy does a radio show, I think. And for whatever reason, Kenny's internet signal or something is getting crossed with this random guy who does this radio broadcast. And so Kenny's headphones literally pick up this guy speaking while he's doing his broadcast. And it interferes with our recording it it actually fucks up the audio quality if kenny tries to speak while that guy is speaking so it's it's an interesting little thing that we have to do where we try to play around and get move around that guy's like i don't know when he's speaking kenny typically doesn't speak it's it's annoying as fuck and i don't really understand it because it's tech technologically too advanced for me i guess i don't really understand why you can even hear him and he's not in your house but for whatever reason the guy likes to rant at the exact same time that we record the podcast on Sundays, and it is crazy. It's so annoying, and I I want him to die. He's talking right. The guy's talking right now. I can tell because on our Discord call, there's an exclamation mark that pops up that says, "Like Kenny's signal is is low. Like it's telling me that blatantly his connection is low." But yes, so that's Mr. Potato. Like, he just like rants, and he's not. He's just nonsense, and he rants. And I don't even know if you guys can hear me right now because he's talking. But you're coming through for me. I, I yeah, you're coming through for me. But he just rants, and um, I didn't know where he was. I didn't know where this radio signal was coming from for so long. And eventually, I was able to find out where it was coming from. I went to this guy's house, knocked on his door, and talked to him. Um, 
He's just an old fuck. I knew he was an old fuck because <laughs> I'm before ever seeing his face. I told for I was like, he's an old fucking loser. I can just tell. And then I, he's just an old fuck. And um, what does he look like? Looks, can you describe what he looks like? I, he looks racist. Damn. <laughs> Straight to it, right? Like he looks like he wouldn't like me. Yeah, like he just he's just an old fuck. You know what I mean? Like he just I know you exactly, look at him. I know exactly what just, you're talking about. I know what you're describing. He has an egghead. Like yep. I, I just I, know, I I hate him. I so have such much. a good mind's eye of what this guy looks like. But yes, he has been causing a lot of problems. But we've been able to still record. Yeah, and it, it's just frustrating because like I'm really trying to do stuff about it. I'm trying to get in touch with the FCC because like. He's blatantly, like, I talked to him, and he blatantly told me it's my fault, and I told him, I don't really see how it could be my fault. I'm not the one broadcasting radio signals. Yeah, I I still don't quite understand the whole situation, but it's one of those things that we've been dealing with. And, uh, yeah, this is just one of those, you know, full disclosure moments, let's call yeah, it. A full I'm disclosure sorry. moment. I'm sorry this happened at the end of this episode, but he's just ranting in my ear. <laughs> Listen, well... In any event, we have been recording for over an hour and a half now, and I feel like, you know, we, we got to speak a lot about this, and this is a topic that comes up often, and we're going to have Yu-Gi-Oh! guests real soon as well, because it's been a while, you know? I know that you guys really like that. In fact, if we're being fully honest, our biggest episodes of this podcast are the Yu-Gi-Oh! episodes. Like, I'll, we say all the time, like, this isn't a Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast per se, but because both of us play Yu-Gi-Oh!, because both of us know each other that's how we met is through Yu-Gi-Oh! and because that's where most people know me from like yes Yu-Gi-Oh! is going to be our core audience and so we don't mind catering to the Yu-Gi-Oh! people because excuse me I know that you guys enjoy the Yu-Gi-Oh! content a lot so a round of guests is coming up very soon uh, I just been letting people really prepare for nationals like I know everyone's very very busy with that type of thing and it may be a little harder to record also I just know how competitive I am. I wouldn't even want to talk to someone about what I plan to use at a tournament as big as the one coming up this week. So, you know, that if I can't ask that question, I kind of don't even want to interview someone, to be honest. Like, if I can't ask, what are you going to play? Uh, or, like, why are you going to play that? I'd rather have the event happen, then interview someone, and then have them tell me why they played it, how they tested, what they thought you know, what they would have changed. I, I love those. Con- I love the after conversations. The before conversations are cool too, but I think the after conversations are so great because you get to hear people's perspective, honestly, before and after, like they tell you what they were thinking beforehand and yeah, they tell you yeah, what they, yeah. the, what they now know. And you can kind of see like, Oh, I see how that works. And hindsight is 2020 and all that. Stuff. It's just, it's just a, it's a different perspective that I really, really enjoy hearing the after an event. What would you have done differently? Um, and we have, this is like Tommy Rowe when he came on, it was right before YCS that he ended up the next event he got second at. And that was cool. Like he knew what he was going to do and he almost won the event. It was really decent. Um, yeah. And then we, after that, we interviewed the guy that got first. We did Joe Dietrich. We interviewed the guy that got first and uh, yeah, he's, he's been doing really well, you know, too. I hope he does well this weekend. I'm hoping all the people that we had on the podcast, everyone who's been on the, I'm their podcast. If you're going to Chicago this weekend, I'm hoping that you do well. You guys have a special place in my heart for coming on the podcast and being a guest. So Hope really you all appreciate you guys. You guys fight each other. Yeah, that'd be. Great. I am nerd guests fight each other. In that'd, that'd be fucking awesome. And speaking of uh, supporters, I want to give a shout out to everyone over at our Patreon. So we have an I am nerd podcast Patreon, and we have exclusive content episodes that drop only on Patreon. Also, access to our Discord server that you can get from even our lowest tier, and other types of uh, perks that you can unlock 
based on your tier level on the I'm There podcast this uh, Discord and Patreon. So check that out if you're interested in supporting us. But for the people who have been for a very long time, now all of you guys have pretty much been here for a minute. Uh, I want to give you guys a shout out as I always do. So we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Alex Flamer, Andre Reynolds, CJ, WK Dad One, Dennis Milburn, Justin Marcello, Red Vines, First to Home, Davis Fernares, S. Akuma, Mitchell Nals, Midwest Gaming, William Shapiro, Dimitri Safiridis, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, KJ, Biz, Roswife, and Scott Player. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We really appreciate it. As I always say, it goes a long way. And again, do the things that make you happy, including playing a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, you know, we none of us would really be in the exact position that we're in right now. This timeline exists because of a great man named uh, Kazuki Takahashi. And I really appreciate everything that he's done. Uh, and may he rest in peace for giving us, you know, such an amazing game and pretty much all of my friends. He pretty much, this guy gave me all of my friends. I don't even know who my friend, I don't even know if I would have friends. That's how crazy it is. So shout out to that guy. My best friend apparently is Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> all right. We're getting out of here. <laughs>